0: Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 4. God's final word is Son. So the Son became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say... You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last for ever and ever. A sceptre of justice will be the sceptre of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of troll. He also says, In the beginning, God, You laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens of the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say? sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Jude, and
1: if you don't know me, I'm here to do the talkie bit. It's um, lovely to see you all, and before we start, and I'm going to show
0: you a video clip.
1: Idea. Any other suggestions? Might be right, but any other ideas? Pardon? Singing out loud. God loves a cheerful noise. That was cheerful. Okay? I person. Sorry? How to make yourself heard. Yes. Very good one. I heard... Oh, yes? God's kingdom. Very good. Thank you. Um, do you have any more? Messenger. Yeah. I mean, I personally was quite distracted by that, because I just had wing envy.
0: Because that woman,
1: that little girl's mother had gone into the drive with her rooms. But anyway, so basically, let's start. Okay, so this morning, we are continuing to look at the book of Hebrews, which was written about, uh, well, before 70 AD. Uh, it's unlikely to have been Paul, uh, because it's not his usual style of writing, and it contains no... Personal greetings, which was his thing. The scholars tend to believe that it was probably more Barnabas or Paulus. Am I a My echoey. Should I have this further away from me? Okay, just explain to me. Sure? Okay, so um, as the name suggests, uh, Hebrew suggests it was written primarily for uh, Jewish people who had converted to Christianity, and, um, and so they would have been familiar with the Old Testament and the Torah. So some of these young Christians were listening to Paul's teachers um, and were thinking that uh, they would live under the old covenant rather than the new. And they were slipping back into, we cannot go directly to God. We have to go through prophets or angels. So Jesus wasn't enough, they needed a mediator, which clearly was a friend. So the book of Hebrews seeks to address this. <clears throat> so whenever Gal spoke on the first four verses last week, um, he was covering that God used to speak to us through prophets. And we're all very clever because today it's God used to speak to us through angels. Um, so, so there was a little vague look for that first little clip. Okay. So Jesus is superior to the angels, is the title of today. Uh, three main sections. The first is We don't need to go through angels to access God. In fact, it would be wrong to do so. It would undermine the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. So the Hebrews didn't understand the pecking order, um, which is God and Jesus, humans, angels. Uh, Jesus is God's son, and he sits at God's right hand. He is not an image or a reflection of God. He is our mediator, and only go through him to God. He's God's full and final revelation, and there should be no turning back to Judaism. In First 5, it says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. So the Jewish converts would have understood the significance of this verse. Jesus, as God's firstborn son, had the place of highest responsibility and privilege. It would appear back in the day that even patriarchy was unfair to young boys as well as to obviously girls. Just saying. Okay, moving on. Um, In verses uh, 5 to 13, which we're not going to look at... Amount of detail uh, because I've only got 15 minutes. Uh, the writer quotes seven Old Testament passages, which reinforce that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's salvation plan for the world. So, Jesus is a so it's just to sum up what these verses say Jesus is God's sons of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hand. Jesus is eternal and sits at God's right hand. Sit, Jesus, at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So the writer is using Old Testament references um, about the coming of Jesus the Messiah because he knows that the recipients of the letter will understand what he's actually trying to say. So we should always make the message of good news relevant to the person receiving it. So it probably looks different for us today, um, but obviously we must not dilute the truth in the process. So, section two, angels. It's the best bit. When I was preparing this talk, I got interested in angels. So I'm just going to presume that you're going to be interested too. So here we go. Uh, This is the lowdown on angels. I have to talk... Oh, we've all come in at once. Oh, try not to read them until I say them. Right, here we go. Angels were created to glorify and worship God. They were created before humans because humans were the apex of God's creation. They live for eternity. There's no death. They are spiritual creatures. Um, They do not have true physical bodies in the way that we would understand them, but they are similar. Uh, spoiler alert and this is really sad they don't have wings when I think of the number of wings that I have made over the years for my three children's nativities and none of it was biblically accurate anyway angels can exercise free will and the vast majority of them have remained faithful to God they can express emotions such as joy and longing They are wise intelligent and they're interested in us they are not all-powerful or all-knowing they report to God and they are Jesus's messengers their job is to serve those of us who will inherit salvation they are not meant to be worshipped now when angels have appeared to uh, people before Jesus in the bible Um, before Jesus was born some people find it scary I guess it would be quite scary actually this kind of stranger danger somebody suddenly appears right beside you that you don't know Um, and their opening line when they deliver their message is quite often do not be afraid so in Luke 1 Zechariah father of John do not be afraid again in Luke 1 Mary mother of Jesus do not be afraid and look to in the shepherds, do not be afraid. So, you know, they're, they're, they can be quite kind of scary, but hey, that's okay. I like this bit. Everyone has their own guardian angel, um, uh, if you like. Uh, someone whose job it is to be our friend, our protector, and to preserve us from evil. So, just to back that statement up. I'm going to give you two verses from the old and two verses from the new. So the first one is Exodus 23, which says, it's up there for you. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. In Psalm 91, for he will command the angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Uh, They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then the New Testament ones, Matthew 18. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you, their angels in heaven will always see the face of my Father in heaven. And then Hebrews 13. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. That one's probably not quite so relevant, but I like it. Anyway, I wonder if any of us have been in a situation where an angel has intervened on our behalf. If you have experienced anything like that, could I suggest that is a good coffee time conversation? Okay, so afterwards. Um, a few weeks ago, um, maybe about three, I was leaving my hairdressers on um, Taring Road next to West Worthing Station when um, this old, frail, elderly gentleman wearing a black suit and tie, who had, and he had his uh, nose and a map, literally walked into me. Um, he asked me for directions to St. Botolph's Church, um, as he had a funeral to go to in 10 minutes. He had traveled from London, his train was, had been delayed, and he was anxious that he was going to be late, and he was going to be late. Uh, Once I had ascertained that he was happy to ignore his mother's advice and accept a a lift from strangers, off we set. He was a lovely man. We had a great chat along the way. He got there with a moment, moment or two to spare. But I asked him if he was a man of faith, and he said he was. So I remarked that his guardian angel must have been working overtime for him today. So he smiled, saying that he had been thinking just exactly the same thing It was such a double blessing. Um, He got to the church in time, and I was used by God to make it happen. I felt really buzzy all day. It's a double blessing. So anyway, section three, moving on. Jesus is superior to the angels. So we're looking at the last four verses in today's passage today. So uh, in this passage once again... The author emphasizes Jesus' authority over all of creation. So no created object or earthly resource is more important than the creator. So I find it hard to grasp just how big God and Jesus is. It's an ongoing thing I struggle with. Uh, just, just can't get it there. Okay? However, luckily, we've been given instructions to help us. And these include reading the Bible, talking to God through prayer talking honestly with other Christians about any joys, doubts, uh, anxieties we might have, and to let give the Holy Spirit permission to help us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. And where do all of those come together? In a home group. If you aren't in a group, um, please may I encourage you to consider it. Um, I would... Quite honestly, speak for Dave and I that our home group is a real lifeline for us. Um, So I was wondering what the equivalent of making the mistake of going to God through a third party would look like for us today. Because with our background as Gentiles, I'm not sure that that is so relevant. Maybe for us it's actually, do we actually go to God at all? So... You know it's, it's, anyway I don't know. It's up to you know. anyway, we do need to go to Jesus and Jesus is the answer to everything. Katie, he is the answer to everything. Katie's very clear in that. and um, so anyway, if we go back to first three we get a clear picture of God. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus is God, we see and meet God in Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Angels are fascinating, but God, but Jesus is God in man form. So how do we translate this into our daily lives? Well, we need to spend time with them. We need to get to know who Jesus is. We need to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how the horse lag it on. Um, and then we will learn more about G- who, the, the person of Jesus. And then the second point from verse 3 is, Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the word and it has power over us today. As a teacher of 40 years, sadly, it became easy for me to identify the children that had negative words spoken over them at home. Words can crush lives and once spoken are very difficult to unhear. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is the biggest load of tosh that I have ever heard. Um, we become the words that are spoken over us. We have power over, over one another with the words that we use. So how much more power does Jesus have in the words that he speaks over us? Words of truth, love, hope, forgiveness, and rest. And... Um, and then I love this verse, Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So whenever I was in London, I had a boy in my tutor group who could not be described as academic. Okay, and he would come to my lunchtime Christian club uh, mainly to avoid being bullied in the playground. And um, as he couldn't read very well, I used to say scriptures over him. And then one day after lunch in Judah group time, the other boys decided it was, you know, time to have a go. And so they were, started to ask him really difficult questions about Christianity. So I had my mouth open to help him whenever he just started to quote scriptures at them, word perfectly. This boy couldn't read and write, he struggled to remember and yet the word of God he remembered (coughs) accurately and used it appropriately to answer their questions. We were just like, oh my gosh. Um, It was a privilege to see this verse in action that day, and it has actually remained with me uh, ever since. This is not a new story. This is quite an old story, but it has stayed with me for decades. So... The third point from three is, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In other words, Jesus died for me, he died to set me free, and he is now in heaven interceding for me. And the fourth and final point from three is, so he is superior to the angels, as his name is superior to theirs. The name of Jesus is powerful. When we do things in his name, it must honor him, and it will have effect, and we can trust him to deliver. So I have this image of God as in like an umbrella over us, and anything that is outside the umbrella in our lives is probably not great. So we need to, if there's any aspect of our lifestyle that isn't bringing honor to God, uh, we should probably think about that and address it. It could be things like, you know, finances, where do we put our, our trust finances, um, security in relationships, big life decisions, what do we do for our well-being, our mindfulness? Um, is it a positive thing that would enhance our relationship with God? So, to conclude, the hymn in Christ Alone is one of my favourites hymns for, one, for many reasons, not least because, just to be a bit of a Debbie Downer, my lovely lovely dad, I was singing that to him when he died on the 1st of March this year, so it's a very, uh, it's become even more meaningful to me, um, but the tune is great, but more importantly the lyrics are a terrific summary of the gospel, so we're going to sing it in a minute or two, and I'd like us to focus in the last line of each verse. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Here in the death of Christ I live. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. I think this is a great summary of all that we've been thinking about this morning.
0: Um, And thank you for listening.